Good evening. Well, it's great to be with you um, this evening. I wonder what the Holy Spirit still wants to say to us, together or individually. I wonder what he still wants to say. I hope our hearts are open. I hope our ears are attentive for what he might still want to say to us. Uh, Linda prayed um, upstairs this evening, and she touched on it not quite as much just now, but about our brokenness and how we, uh, in our broken state, (laughs) we come, and yet God still calls us friends and still welcomes us. In the mess of our lives, we come, and yet somehow we still find space before God. And I feel like that tonight. I feel like uh, I come after a few years of pretty, you know, when life just doesn't go as you think it's going to go, and uh, things don't work out as you expect, and you can't fix it, and you can't solve it, and you're confused at times, maybe you're even depressed at times, and you're in that kind of place of it's just not working out. Of course, we all faced the surprise of COVID uh, and lockdown those few years ago. But other stuff has come to the fore in our lives, my family's life, that has just left us in that place of, God, we just don't quite know how to do this. And we don't, just quite, we don't quite know the way through. I want to share with you tonight a little bit from Psalm 139. And we're not going to read the whole thing, but this has become a bit of a landing place for me over the last six months. I can't seem to get away from Psalm 139. And I just want to share a few thoughts tonight that I hope will help you. I'm going to kick straight in in verses 11 and 12. And those of you who like to have titles for the messages, then the title tonight is Darkness is as Light to You. I want to read verse 11 and 12. If I say... Surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. The psalmist says those words in the context of saying, where can I flee from God's presence? Seems like he's in a pretty dark place. Those two verses themselves clue us into that, let alone reading the rest of the psalm. And an obvious question to ask as we read this psalm and those verses is, why does the psalmist want to hide? It's probably not how we come at that psalm very often. We probably come at it with this great exaltation of the the knowledge of God, the presence of God everywhere, and yet the psalmist seems to keep talking about wanting to hide. I don't know if we're given a complete answer in the psalm itself, but I want us to ponder that question. Maybe that question will help us gain some insight into what was going on in the psalmist's life, in his heart, in his mind. What is it that this psalmist is inviting us into? Is it simply a psalm of God's wonderful attributes and characteristics and we're just lost in wonder and praise because God is everywhere and God knows everything? (coughs) But if it's simply that, why hide? Verse 2 to 4, speak of God searching me and knowing me and pursuing me, which is all very good. But then we read in verse 5, 
you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Is the psalmist pleased that God has hemmed him in? Or is he worried? When he says it's too lofty, is that, oh God, too lofty, I just worship you. In wonder and worship. Or is it, it's too much? I feel threatened because you see everything and you know everything. Hold that thought. The very next section of our psalm, verse 7, begins this way. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Seems to follow on from perhaps that sense of, God, it's too much. Where can I go? How can I get away from you? Why flee? Why hide? Is this really just God's is this really just the psalmist praise for God's ability to be everywhere? Or is he seriously considering the potential to flee? And then in our verse, in verse 11, when speaking about darkness, what? Hiding him. Still considering that need to flee, to hide, to get away from this all-seeing, all-knowing, everywhere God. How do you feel about that? Am I speaking heresy? What's it like being with someone who knows so much about you that you don't want them to know. Maybe some teachers or ex-teachers in this room. The kids misbehaved in class and they think somehow in their naivety they can get away with it and you don't know, but you do. Or if you have a husband or wife or long-term friend, close friend and you're not feeling too good. I had a conversation like this with Helen not so long ago. I didn't, well, it wasn't a conversation. I didn't want to say anything. In fact, I didn't say anything. She says, you're a bit grumpy, aren't you? How does she know? It's one of those occasions I didn't want to be present. I didn't want to divulge what was going on within me. I wanted to hide. I wanted to get away. I wanted to be in the quiet place, away from anyone knowing what's going on. Could that be what's going on with the psalmist here? Somehow he's in that place, he maybe wants to get away from God. He feels threatened, he feels vulnerable. Could be, couldn't it? Here the psalmist is faced with God's intimate knowledge of everything. And he talks about fleeing, about hiding. I wonder if how he responds might depend what's kind of going on in his life at that moment. I told you earlier about the last few years. I 
couldn't see clearly what God was doing. And I still can't totally. I didn't feel particularly close to God and I'm a leader in God's church. How does that work? You know, Eugene Peterson speaks about the brokenness of the people of God. And the fact that we're sinners trying to follow after this God. And he says, and one of those sinners is tied to the mast and is called pastor. And is there simply to try to hold people attentive to God. That's all we are (laughs) as leaders in the church. Fellow broken people with our own mess and baggage, somehow trying to hold us and ourselves attentive to God. So don't put us on pedestals, or your leaders. I was stuck. I couldn't fix things. I was beaten up. I was pretty emotionally tired. And maybe that's true for some of you tonight. I don't know all your journeys, or your walks. But as I reflected on this psalm, God began to speak. I had a privilege in the middle of last year of going away for, uh, I had a sabbatical, and towards the end of that sabbatical I went to Feldy Brennan. Some of you will know that place. It's a prayer retreat centre in kind of mid-Wales, right down the far end. <clears throat> and I had a, someone write a bit of a retreat plan for us, and in this plan we, uh, Anne and I, we were reflecting on Psalm 139. And I'd actually spoken to Andy um, Wright, who some of you know, he leads the Hub Church in Basingstoke, and he prayed for me at the beginning of my sabbatical that uh, from that Luke 24 passage where it talks about the disciples on that journey uh, back from Jerusalem when they encounter Jesus, they don't know it's him on the road, And then when Jesus comes in and eats with them and he breaks the bread, suddenly their eyes are opened and they realise it's him and they say, didn't our hearts burn within us? And Andy prayed for me that my heart would burn again. And I spoke to him not long before going on the retreat at Felde Brennan, which was towards the end of my time. And I'd had a great time. I'd I'd really enjoyed my time uh, on sabbatical. But I said to him, I don't think my heart is burning yet. Keep praying. And as we went to Feldy Brennan, and there's a promontory at one end of Feldy Brennan with a, a cross that's overlooking the valley. And I've been there before. But as I went and stood by that cross, we encountered God. And I found myself hugging this cross and saying a few things to God. And we spent some time in Psalm 139, and it was these verses particularly that God started to speak to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and I felt in a dark place, a dark, dry place, and the light become night around me, even the darkness, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Whatever darkness I found myself in, God is there and can see. Darkness is as light to him. His sight is not hindered by the darkness. 
We grope around, don't we, sometimes? I was groping around, searching, trying to find God, trying to find answers, wondering what would take place. We wonder where we are and what's going on. It's a little bit like sometimes when you wake up in a strange room in the middle of the night and it's not your normal bedroom. You're trying to find the bathroom and you you have to feel around the wall. Where's the door gone? (laughs) You been there? (laughs) And into that place, God sees everything. My darkness does not hinder his sight one little bit. He sees as clearly then as he sees at any time. You're feeling in darkness. You're feeling dry or distant from God. I might feel I need to get away from God. But he sees in my darkness and reaches out to me in my darkness. If you don't believe me yet where this psalm might be going, this theme of darkness for me seems to continue into the following sections and verses. In verse 13 onwards, we read of the creative power of God who knits my being together as he forms me where? In the darkness and depths of the hidden place of the womb. I don't think there's a lot of light in the womb. God's creative, let there be, takes place in darkness of the womb, forming me, even as his let there be at the beginning of creation was spoken into darkness. He sees. He speaks. He's there. But not only my forming in the womb the psalmist sees, but also all the days ordained for me, the psalmist speaks about. My future, yet unseen, God sees. Unseen and hidden, in effect, in darkness, is seen in advance by God. And while I'm there in the womb, being formed by him, the psalmist says, You think about me. God thinks about me, about you. Wow. How wonderful are your thoughts, O God, about me, about you, in that dark, hidden place. Surely, darkness has no restrictive power on him. And then the last phrase in that section, when I awake from sleep, the place of darkness, who's there? God. He's not left me in the darkness, he's with me in it, and is there when I start to see again. Maybe what God wants through this psalm is that even when I can't see, I can learn to trust the one who does see, whose sight is not hindered, even in those darkest of moments. God is there. I may not feel it, I may not see it, or be aware of his presence at times, but the psalm testifies to God's ever 
presence. If we're reading it in that way, maybe it could be reassuring. Back to the question. Why flee? Maybe the answer lies in my understanding of who God is. That maybe the psalmist actually has got a wrong view of God. Maybe the psalmist thinks God is out to get him. And if what God finds in his all-knowing and in his being everywhere isn't good, then God will be mad. Is that how you think of God? Now, I know we're all going to give us the right Christian answer of, no, no, we don't think of God that way. But do we in here? I've walked with God, I don't know how many years. Some of you may be a lot longer than me. Do I think my perception of who God is in here is accurate? I don't. Do I think I see him perfectly for who he is, his character, his love towards me? No. Do I react out of past experiences, whether experiences with other people that cause me to flinch at times before God? I'm sure I do. So we know the answer. But God wants to peel back the layers and go, do you know the answer? Are you living in the good of it? Or do I want to hide from this God as maybe the psalmist does because actually though I know God is good, I think he's really out to get me, to condemn me, to judge me, and so I want to get away and I want to hide. Maybe the psalmist thinks that about God. Maybe the psalmist doesn't want God to see his brokenness, his fallenness, maybe his sinful state. Maybe the psalmist simply wants to wallow in his own darkness, in his confusion, in his not knowing. But all of that shows that he doesn't really understand who God is. And you know what I know the Spirit of God has to do in my life? is constantly help me see who the Father is. Keep bringing me back to the character of God, his love for me, his, uh, the way he seeks me out, the way he is for me, despite everything. That I can come in my brokenness and mess and not knowing and still find a God who loves me. It's amazing, isn't it? Psalmist perhaps sees God as out to get him, to judge him, rather than to help him. But I I think the psalmist gets there in the end. It's interesting that the psalm begins, right at the beginning, with this picture of God pursuing him. God is like the hound of heaven, depicted as actively pursuing Now, he's actively pursuing, not because God doesn't know where he is. He knows where he is. So why is it written in that way? It's written as God actively pursuing, I believe, because God actually wants us to know that he wants a relationship with us. He's after us. He's not just this static God who knows. He's this God who's, he does know, but he's pursuing me. Come on, parents. Aunties, uncles. You play hide-and-seek with your kids, don't you, when they're little? You know where they are. They can't keep quiet. But do you let them know? You play the game. 
You pursue them. Why? Because you want some fun. You want some relationship. Now, I'm not suggesting this is a game that God is playing. But what I'm suggesting is that we're supposed to see in this that this is a God who, he does know everything, but he's pursuing you and pursuing me because he wants relationship. He wants friendship and he wants us to know that. That's the most important thing to him. The psalmist knows that about God. Then God's presence and God's intimate knowledge will be a comfort to him, not a threat. Helen and I have been married for 34 years now. That's amazing, isn't it? Some of you knew me before I was married. Come on, that makes us old. So in our sabbatical, uh, having been married 33 years then, uh, we decided we would go and uh, invest in a marriage enrichment weekend. Probably more for the husbands than for the, for the wives. That's a bit of a fear and trepidation type thing to do, isn't it? Because you're gonna, is, your, is your ability to be a good husband going to be faced up for what it really is? And so you walk into this weekend, oh, God, dear, I'm going to get beaten up here a bit, aren't I? <laughs> I'm going to have to apologise a few times, face a few things. My shortcomings will come up to the top <laughs> and be opened up and I'll be clobbered. So there's a bit of nervousness going into something like that. But we both testified to coming out of that weekend closer together, feeling more connected than we had for some time. And it was through the sharing of deep feelings which took honesty, humility and vulnerability. Maybe there's a window in there of what God's after. then in seeing everything, in knowing everything, in being everywhere, I might want to get away. But maybe he's calling me to that place of honesty and vulnerability and humility when he then says, and I love you anyway. Begins the psalm, as I say, with this picture of God pursuing, arguably because God wants relationship. And where does the psalm finish? It finishes by going back to the beginning. Verse 1, the God who has searched me, the psalmist says, now at the end the psalmist asks this God, search me. Ends with the psalmist asking God to do the very thing that he's already done. Maybe the psalmist is getting there that this God who's pursuing me because he wants relationship, I now come to this place, I realise the goodness of this God, I realise that he's for me, and so I say, God, yes, search me and know me. See if there's any untoward way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. I want that relationship and I know you're not out to judge me or to get me or to be mad at me, but you're out to help me in my vulnerability and my humility and my mess and my brokenness. That's the God, the good, good Father that we sing about. Any sort of threat that the psalmist was feeling now seems to be eclipsed 
by wanting the relationship with God that God had wanted all along. The fleeing, if it was happening, is now ended. And the psalmist desires to be with God, even if it means vulnerability, honesty, humility. God knows anyway. And so I think we can read this psalm as an invitation to us to come before this God who knows all anyway and to be totally honest, transparent, to say it as it is, not just to give him the Christian answer, whether we feel close to him in that moment or whether we feel in darkness. Whether we feel threatened or whether we're feeling encouraged, whether we're feeling clean or whether we're feeling guilty, knowing that in approaching this God lies greater relationship and deeper communion. The psalm invites us in all our humanness to be honest before this God and to know that actually this God is for me, wants relationship with me and wants to pour his love out upon me. can't say I'm through yet, (laughs) but God has been speaking through that psalm. And in that psalm, he started to open my eyes a little bit again, started to help me start to see again. I don't see clearly yet, but I want to respond. (laughs) And I want to be open with this God and not just give him the right answers, but say how I feel. He's got big enough shoulders to take Phil Norris's feelings. <laughs> and I don't know where you are tonight. Maybe the musicians could come up and just be ready to lead us again. But I'd just like to pray for us. Maybe some of you tonight are in that dark place, that place where you're just confused and you can't see clearly and you've been in that stage in your life. Maybe some of you aren't. That's fantastic. Pray for the rest of us. But maybe some of you are and you just want God to start to open your eyes. Maybe there's circumstances and situations you've been facing and grappling with and holding before God and not holding before God and you're going, I just want to start to see again a little bit. I'd love to pray for you. Maybe some of you tonight, in one sense it's true for all of us, I think, But maybe some of you tonight, the Holy Spirit's particularly highlighted that he wants you to glimpse again who this Father is. That you've been responding maybe out of hurt or past experiences and God wants you to somehow get a window in on this Father being a good, good Father. Maybe you've been coloured by your own upbringing, I don't know. Some of you maybe have had difficult fathers and that's coloured your picture of who God is as father. And maybe the Holy Spirit is just saying, I want you to see that I'm a good, good father who's for you. To somehow open up that window a bit further that you can come to him in a place of trust knowing that he's for you. I wonder if we could just maybe stand together if we're able and as the musicians just begin to, p- to play, I want to pray and happy to pray with people individually but I just want to pray together first of all and 
you know, we said before uh, when we were upstairs, we just didn't want to get in the way. I didn't want to get in the way of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So, Holy Spirit, would you, you've been with us tonight. And we come in the mess and brokenness of our lives. And I think deep down, Lord, we know that we all want relationship with you. Sometimes we don't recognise that. Sometimes we maybe won't admit that. Sometimes we find we want to flee and hide. But deep down, we know that the only place of true sustenance and life is in you. And so, Father, somehow tonight would you take our feeble, broken offering of ourselves as Sarah appealed to us to give our all. Whatever that means and looks like for each one of us, that somehow, Father, we want to give ourselves afresh to you, knowing you're a a God we can trust, a God who sees us in all our brokenness and fallenness and yet pours out his love upon us and says, come to me all who are weary and broken and I will give give you rest. Lord, some of us tonight need to come to you in that way and say, God, would you give us rest? We want that relationship, Lord. And I want to pray for my brothers and sisters tonight, Lord. Those who find themselves in a place where they don't see clearly. Maybe they feel like they don't see at all. I pray tonight, Lord Jesus, by your Spirit, as you open physical eyes so often in your ministry on earth, would you open spiritual eyes tonight? Lord Jesus, would you cause us to start to see? Would you bring hope into those situations? Would you bring light where we only see darkness? Would you bring comfort where we need comfort? Encouragement where we need encouragement? Let us see. Would you, Holy Spirit, remove the scales from our eyes? the mistiness that shrouds us at times, that we could enter boldly into your presence and see, and see, and see that it would be like that morning when we've been out in the dark and the sun starts to rise and suddenly everything is bathed in light. Would you tonight, Holy Spirit, bathe our lives, our circumstances, our situations in your light? Calm light of God. Let us see. Just reach out to God. If that's you tonight and you just need that tonight, reach out to Him. Just reach out to Him. Father, forgive us where we've got wrong images, and all of us have, Lord of who you really are. We don't see you clearly. We don't know you fully. You're beyond our full comprehension. We know that. But Lord, sometimes we bring baggage to our picture of you and we bring misconceptions of who you really are. Lord, forgive us. We confess it tonight, Lord. The times when we think you had to get us, to judge us, to condemn us, we know that's not really who you are. So Lord, we lay that on your altar tonight. Help us to embrace the God that you show yourself to be in Christ. Help us as we look at Jesus 
in the gospel stories and see how he demonstrated who you are, Father, in his interactions with people, his sacrifices for people, his laying down of his life for us. That's the kind of God you are. That's the Father you are. Help us grasp that a little bit more deeply tonight, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit.